How are you guys doing? Welcome over here to the channel. If you guys are new, please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. Hit that little bell notification. Do yourself a favor. You guys don't want to miss out on the videos we're posting every single day over the Ukrainian conflict because it's ever changing and we go we go over maps quite a bit so if you guys don't know this if you guys are new to the channel here is ukraine if you guys don't know what it looks like it looks like somewhat like this so there's kiev then you guys have our over here this is the eastern front which is pretty been well this has been where all the action's been lately Mariupol completely surrounded still and this map i'm going to tell you guys right now we use it kind of as a guidance but i do like my maps a bit better that i've actually built out myself I have actually added the border for you guys. You guys said inside the comments you wanted a border. Now you got a border. So there's a difference between Russia up here. I can, you know, I probably just write it. Hey, look, there's Rush and there's, we're just going to put a B for right there. There you go. There's, there's what you got. So if you guys are new to the channel, the blue line with the little triangle is going to be heavily defended areas by the Ukrainian. The blue line is going to be the Ukrainian front and then red is Russian front line as of right now. Clearly, blue is held by Ukrainians and red is Russian. There you go. I got a little handy-dandy thing down here in the bottom left if you ever if you ever forget, but that's pretty much where we're going to be at. So what we're going to start this thing off with, Putin just signed a law that went into effect today that allows companies to seize all foreign aircraft and to allow them to redeploy them for domestic use. The plane's values, this is going this is going this is 10 billion dollars. 10 billion dollars. I have no idea how Delta and all these American companies and all the countries around the world are going to deal with this, but that's quite a bit of money. So they just seized over 500 airplanes from privately owned companies and took them up for themselves. Way to do some business in Russia. I'm sure that's going to help them in the future with doing business for the rest of the world. But there you go. $10 billion of the planes were actually just seized by Russians. A Pentagon official has actually stated that they, they do not believe that Russian forces have enough men and or equipment to actually circle Kiev, let alone take it. I personally have a hard time believing this one myself. I really do. I'm still not even fully convinced that the Russians have actually put the full force of their might ahead. I I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to believe that they have. A lot of the men that they've I've seen the videos of, they keep saying that they didn't know that they're coming to fight. They're all really young. They don't. They seem really, really, really poorly trained. Every single one of them's been poorly trained. I don't know. Maybe the West has just thought that the, that the Russia was number two power and they were going to be really good. Maybe this is their number. Maybe this is their military. Maybe this is their number one men coming up. A lot of people think it's not. I'm kind of on the verge of thinking, I don't know really know what is going on. I keep seeing these Soviet-era tanks getting taken out, Soviet-era planes, like nothing really new. Like, no one has actually seen anything new be taken out by the Russians, correct? So have they, did they just send all their, it was hard for me to believe this like a week and a half ago. Did they send all their low-ranking, low-new, like all their really, really just brand-new cherry people to the front line? They just, hey, you know what, we're going for a training exercise and just push across. Do I think that is a thing? Do I think they actually use them as cannon fodder? That's a real thing. I, it's really hard for me to believe that. I, I don't believe it. I, it, I'm, I'm like, I'm like this with it. Some days I'm like, ah, maybe because I, because I just don't see how they're not being able to push through. They should have, but I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. Anyway, I know I want a little bit of a rant there. It's not, I'm not used to doing a little bit of rants like that, but I don't know. I'm, I'm on the verge of saying maybe, but with this new regrouping they've been doing over the last three days, we might see the real blitzkrieg actually go through this country of Ukraine. We actually might see it. But the thing is, the Ukrainians have been able to set up and fortify their defenses over the last three days. The Russians keep doing these little probing attacks here and there all over the country. They're not really doing any major offenses. They're just regrouping. And I think, I really honestly believe this, over the next, I don't know, two, three, four days, I don't know how long it's going to be, I think they're going to redo the entire thing and just try to push through the country all at once. I have video footage of them staging in certain areas, which we're going to talk about here later on. But I don't know. Did they use them as cannon fodder? 
you guys let me know in the comments. You, I, I've seen this a few times, and now I'm kind of like, man, maybe, maybe did they? Because a lot of the videos, these, they're just so mis, they're just mismanaged, poorly organized. They don't know how to react to contact. It's really terrible. So maybe I don't know. So Russian airstrike took out a TV tower that ended up killing nine civilians and wounding nine others. This is clearly another attempt for them to take out uh, the country's ability to spread a message of any sort to its people, which I don't, I don't know. I guess maybe in Russia they think that people don't use the Internet because maybe in Russia they're not allowed to use the Internet like they are in Ukraine. But, yeah, taking out TV station did did hurt a little bit, but it did just terrible. I mean, nine, they're just going after these civilian-held areas. They've been doing it the entire time. So Russians actually asked China for support. I talked about this in yesterday's video. I kind of wanted to fill this one out before I was actually talking about it a bit more, but now it's actually been confirmed by two U.S. sources, and the request actually included military aid and equipment. They've also asked for, of course, financial assistance, along with drones. Of all things, drones. One thing people don't realize is the Ukrainians actually have like still over 90% of the drones they started this entire conflict with, and most of them are actually Turkish, and they're doing some damage with these drones. <laughs> a lot of the drones I've actually seen Russians trying to use, they have these drones that are literally filled with munitions, and they're supposed to ex implode on impact, like literally a kamikaze drone, and they're not working. So they, these drones literally just keep smashing into things, and they're just munitions inside of them. They're not even working. So, Fail. U.S. officials have also stated that Russian KIA numbers currently could be as high as 9,000. So all those people in the comments that are like, oh, these numbers, you're talking about them being casualty rates of up to 12,000. Yes, those actually seem somewhat real and actually feasible. If the United States is coming out saying they could have up to 9,000 KIA, 12,000 casualties as a whole between wounded and KIA, yes, that could be a real thing. A senior U.S. defense official also implied that Russia has already lost over 10%. 10% of their available combat forces that were actually assembled for the entire invasion. This will, of course, include damaged, destroyed, captured vehicles, mainly by farmers. It would also include... Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and yes, we all know that farmers pretty much have been... <laughs> just, oh, sorry. I got myself on that one. I was trying to be serious, serious and get through that, but I didn't. 40,000 Syrians have actually registered to travel to Ukraine and fight for Russia. This is actually coming from a Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, which is a non-governmental group. 40,000 Syrians have signed up to go and fight in Ukraine for Russia. Okay, so that should also be telling for what we talked about earlier. They've lost 10% of their manpower, essentially. That, that could be a real thing. 10% is a significant number. Now, of course, 40,000 additional Syrian troops. I, I think there's going to be a little bit of a language barrier there. But with that being said, they're so good. They can utilize these people in a certain part of the country. Like, say they want to put them up near Kiev. They can have their own, literally their own, I, I was going to say battalion. But at this point, 40,000 of them, we're talking about an entire division. They literally have their own division of Syrian forces pushing through the country for themselves. That's pretty nuts. Now, I don't really know exactly how they're going to communicate with each other. But that should be very, fairly interesting. So this video you're about to see is nothing different than Russians been doing this entire time. This is going to be a nine-story apartment building that was actually caught fire due to a, a shelling that occurred at 5 a.m. this morning. Yes, this is, this is Russia for you. All right, so let's look at some maps here for y'all. There has been a little bit of movement here to the south of Kiev. Not a lot, though. Most of the heavy fighting has actually been near Bravery. I'm going to tell you guys right now. I'm going to go ahead and circle it for you. See that right there? That sweet little area right there I just circled? That is the area where most of the fighting has been happening over the last 12 hours inside of Kiev. We know that the Russians have been staging and are regrouping, of course, up in their little area that they control right here. They have been trying to make pushes through Urpin, trying to push through Urpin right there. It has not been happening. They've been trying to push through Hostomel. 
It has not been happening whatsoever. They literally have not made a single inch of movement over the last 12 hours inside of the northwest side of Kiev. Now over here on Bravery, they have been pushing through just a little bit, but they haven't made any significant movements. They're literally doing no movements whatsoever. But this main route right here, you guys see me drawing. Oh, my. See that main route that comes out? It actually comes down more like this. We've talked about this route multiple times on this channel. There's another one that comes just about right here. It links up right there with that main road and then comes up. Now, that main route, they have not been utilizing it at all over the last 12 hours. I wonder why. They've been ambushed so many times by these forces, these blue forces you guys see coming out of Konotype, coming up, coming down from Mena. They have the freedom of movement the Ukrainians do on this entire route going through. They're able to ambush the Russians as much as they possibly can because there's nothing in between them. The freedom of movement inside of this area for the Ukrainian forces is major. And I don't think people are really realizing that. I guess if they're not watching this channel, they don't realize that this area in the northwest or excuse me, the northeast side of Ukraine is extremely important. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, they're going to have to pull troops out of this area. So we know that they do bring in troops over here. So there's Gommel right there. You guys see that they do stage troops right there and they bring them down. I promise you guys, they're going to have to take this area. So you're going to see him pull more troops like they have out of Kharkiv and then pull them up in the Sumi to try to take Sumi over the next 24, 48 hours, 72 hours, next three to four to five days. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen. There will be an assault on this entire country. Once again, the video you're about to see is coming out of Kupyansk. So you guys see this area right here. All right, so there's big things coming out of that. So if you guys look down here at Kupyansk, there are three main routes coming off it. You guys see the yellow lines? I'm going to go ahead and erase this. Now, with that being said, guess where they lead? Here's Izium. Izium has been in a big area for a lot of, for a lot of fighting over the last I, I, four days, five days. They've been fighting back and forth there for, for, for quite a long time. Now, being said, they are staged up. I'm going to say they're probably going to come through down here and push an Izium or come around this way and push an Izium that way. That's Russian troops, that is. Okay? Now, the video you're about to watch is of a Russian convoy that consists of an artillery unit mixed up with some infantrymen, as I, I, I believe, as I watch this. But here you go. Here's that. Now let's go ahead and clean up this map real quick for you guys. So there's a river near Izium, as you guys do see right there. Okay, this one. So my map actually doesn't show this, but there's a town called Topoleski. You guys see it right there. Here is Izium. So you guys have an understanding. There's a river right there. You guys see this river I'm showing you guys? It's the Seversi Donetsk River. So that one right there is the one we're going to be talking about. But on my map, it does not show it. Okay, so here's Izium. So it's going to be roughly about right here is what we're talking about. All right. So Russian forces actually crossed over the river south of Izium, took over these nearby villages, and then they actually took over all these villages. So we're going to do this right here. And then Russian forces were actually counterattacked by Ukrainians later on in the day who ended up regaining and took control of this entire area once again. Now, this is a big deal. If you guys can look at this map, I'm going to clean it up real quick for you guys. So here's Izium. Izium is completely controlled by Ukrainian forces right now. If Russians were to push through and maintain control of this area right here, which I'll go ahead and do this for you guys. If they were to maintain that area right there, guess what they could do? They could push down to the northern side of Slovenesk and actually take over that city because currently most of the fortified area is on the southeastern side facing Donetsk, that area that's literally been under siege for the last eight years. 
So with that being said, that is a big win for the Ukrainian forces right there. And they actually still control all of this area as of today. So all this is still controlled by the Ukrainians. All that right there. So they're good to go if you guys are on the side for Ukraine. So in the last 12 hours, there's been heavy fighting in this region currently right there where that square is. In the last 12 hours or so, the Russian had almost 100 men KIA and six vehicles destroyed. They are trying to make a push, and they have been for the couple days now. They are trying to make a push this way. They need to push through. They need to take Severna to desk as well. We've talked about this multiple times to then push through and then take Izium. This is pretty much their entire goal. And then also then to move all the way west and take Dnipro, Zapsarsia, and Maripool, which is down here at the very bottom. These are the three main areas that they will go after once they push through, if they push through. But as of today, they took heavy casualties in that one area right here. I mean, 100 men in six vehicles is a significant loss for any for anyone, any day. So we're going to move a little bit south here. So we're going to go to Volan, which is right here. Volodar. So you guys see this area right here is what we're talking about. So down here in the south, you guys can see that there are multiple. I mean, look at all these blue marks through here. You guys see all those? Those are all heavily fortified areas that the Ukrainians have set up. And they're all on main roadways and in small little towns. So Russian forces actually attempted today to pull through Volodar as of right there. That did not pan out. They were unsuccessful in their attempt and had to retreat. There's been heavy fighting, of course, down in Maripool. It's been one of the main areas. As you guys can see, it is actually still circled. This area has been known for the heavy fighting since literally almost the beginning of this entire thing. This is one of the areas I do not think the Russians are going to be able to take on foot. I think they're going to have to shell it. I don't believe they're going to be able to. They've also stopped every bit of humanitarian aid getting into the city. They're not allowing food and or water or clothing or anything like that to even get into this area. They've blocked it off for the last four days. They're not allowed any food and or water to get in. They're trying to starve the Ukrainian people, literally the people inside of the city, out to force them to leave, to force them to give up so they can maintain this area. But they were unsuccessful in attack on this area as of today, and they were actually pushed back, which is a big deal. Morale, once again, is a huge deal for these men. A win is a win. So down here in Maripool, Russian forces lost Captain Alexander Glushchek of the GRU-GU 22nd Spetnaz Brigade today. That is the gentleman you guys are seeing the photos of. He was down here in Maripool. And I like to tell you guys about these kind of men being KAA. For one, I have to give them respect. They're in the military. I was in it. I'm, I'm still going to respect him as a human being. But they were KAA down in this area. And it's a large loss for the Russians in general. Just for the fact that being a Spetnaz, it's like, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. But being a captain in Spetnaz, I mean, that's, that's even a bigger deal. So them losing that kind of a man is kind of a big deal. I'm going to assume, actually... I'm going to tell you guys from what I've been seeing, Zaps or Seas, you guys see right here. I'm going to go ahead and delete all that. So this area right here, I believe the Russians, from what I've read, over the next 24 to 48 hours, we will see them try to make a push out of this area right here. So Vazelsvika, we're going to try to see them actually push through all of these areas, which will be, they're going to take heavy losses pushing in, but I do know that they've been staging men down here in Melitopol. So I do believe, and I've said this multiple times, Melitopol, which is down here, is a hub for them to push their men north east and west because it is one of the greater areas in hubs i guess you would say because it has train stations it has good roads and everything else right through there there has been a lot of pushback from the civilians down there the ukrainians they do not like them there and there's been tons of videos of protests but i will say from what i found they will be going after zaps in the next two to three days 
So I'm going to move west here. So now we're going to go over to Mikolaev. Ukrainian forces have actually set up checkpoints and security right out of the back side of it. So as of the last, actually like six hours or so, they have actually moved out of the south, uh, excuse me, southwest side of Mikolaev and pushed north. Okay. This is with civilians. They've been exfilling civilians from the city. They've got a route that leads all the way to a small town just north of the city, and they've set up defensive positions along this river that's right here. All right. So there's been defensive positions that have been set up mainly to get these civilians out of the city of Mikolaev. Now, that being said, they've actually been stopping and, and having to deal with a lot of probing attacks from the Russians that have been coming across. As we do know, we spoke about this the other day. The Russians on this front line have been trying to get across the Bug River as of right now, trying to find a way through and doing probing attacks right up on that, on that southern, southwestern side of that river. So over here near Mikolaev as well. So the Ukrainian border guard found three dead Russian soldiers near Mikolaev while patrolling after what they had thought had been a Russian airborne operation. So they were going out to actually see what was going on. And it is confirmed that Russians have actually completed an airborne drop troops outside of Mikolaev. So they are dropping more reinforcements over there. Now with airborne operations, even in the U.S. military, we have casualty rates, acceptable rates. And losing three men in an, in an actually, like, in this kind of a situation is an acceptable rate, as, as bad as that sounds. So the Russian movement that was going up here near Kriviy Ra, you guys see right here, did not pan out at all. It's actually been, as a matter of fact, they've been pushed back all the way back down to here. That's not a joke. They've not panned out one bit. They didn't have enough forces. I told you guys this yesterday. They didn't have enough forces to actually take that area and even make any type of offensive movement through that area so they actually got their teeth kicked in and actually had to come back and regroup. So I'm going to go ahead and end this video on the fact that uh, it's probably one of the best BMWs I've ever seen in my entire life. It's got a mountain machine gun on the back of it. So I hope you guys have a fantastic day, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Таким дуже яскравим месенджером для всіх. Це буде Україна.